1: And Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to Richard Sherman, and Happy New Year to Michael Irvin. How are you guys this morning? fantastic. I'm doing well. I hope you both got a little bit of sleep last night, and here we go. Just as important, Happy New Season to Cowboy Nation, which now wakes up to the distinct possibility of having two home sweet home playoff games in a Jerry world, in which it has now won 16 straight games, all thanks to the Cry Eagles Cry, who blew a home game yesterday to the three and 12 Arizona Cardinals. Thank you, Beagles, for that. The Cowboys obviously have struggled on the road, but they're now 13 and a half point favorites to cinch the two seed by winning at arch rival Washington Sunday. That's 4:25 Eastern on Fox all of which inspires me to say, how about them cowboys? But I will be the first to admit, the Lions rightfully beat our cowboys on Saturday night at Jerry World. Our Michael Irvin was there for the halftime induction of Jimmy Johnson, of course, into the ring of honor. What a ceremony that was, finally. And Michael has made the point here on his disputed that putting Jimmy into the ring could pave the way for a Super Bowl ring for our Cowboys because it will finally break the 28-year curse of no NFC Championship games since Michael's Cowboys won, of course, the franchise's last Super Bowl in early 1996. The NFL gods were certainly with us late in Saturday night's game at Dallas and late yesterday at Philadelphia. So now the question looms for Michael and Richard and I, Should the Cowboys be elated or deflated by Saturday night's outcome? Michael, you first, but this first. Do you agree with me that the Lions got robbed Saturday night at Jerry World?
2: Well, I I, I will start here first that I do believe, Skip, wow, 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 on how you open this, talking about that old curse that hung over us. For so long, Jimmy Johnson, <laughs> Curtis. I don't know what else can explain I don't what happened yesterday. I don't know how you can figure this thing out, that this thing went down the way it went <laughs> down. And Dallas gets that game. Uh, and Philly does what happens in Philly. yep. I said, man, I, I said to myself, even at that game, when I left that game, I will say this. I thought... I didn't feel like we won that game. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't feel like we won that game. I was like, oh, my God. And you're headed into the playoffs on that note. And then, of course, all of the halftime stuff, you know, made me feel great. And then uh, then what happened in Philly the next day, I was like, whoa, this is crazy now. Because now, now, boy, that does open up some things. Does. You know what I mean? Open up some things to have some home games where the Cowboys didn't play well. Did not play well in that game, and I still put that, guys, on that offense. Didn't show up. The defense did, again, a good job, sir, and holding them to 19 points. The same thing they did to Miami. You're holding 19 points to me. That's good enough when you are running, running against, running with the number one or number two or number three offense of the Dallas Cowboys, and that's what they've been the last few years. Mm. I just need them to get back to producing that. If the defense stays right where it is and putting out, keeping people to 19 points, those are pretty good, two, two pretty good teams at Miami and Detroit. So that Dallas defense, who got gashed in Buffalo, I thought fought back pretty well, but the offense is not doing their part. And that's what I'm worried about right now, Skip. So I did leave that game feeling like, ah, okay, we won, but it didn't feel like we yeah. won the game, to be honest with you guys. All right. Go, Richard.
3: Yeah, I I don't know if they got robbed, Skip. Um, I thought there were plays in that game Dallas made that the Lions didn't make early on. I thought the interception late that Jared Goff threw um, was a heck of a play by the defense, and that was a play where they had a little bit of momentum. They had a chance to to make plays down the stretch. They did eventually get down the field and score a touchdown. Um, But I do think this was a mistake on the referee's part. And I think the NFL went outside, went out of their way to make sure the world knew it was a mistake yep. on the referee's part. They went out of their way yep. to say, hey, these guys will not be refing in the playoffs. You, can, you, you have it here first, which is something I don't remember if I've ever heard of the NFL ever doing before. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I've talked about this before. They have a system, a point system with these referees where if they, they have a certain amount of mistakes, they get marked down, their crew gets marked down, they get... A, They get marked down as an individual, and it affects their ability to ref the playoff games in the Super Bowl, in the AFC, NFC Championship games. So no question, this has always been the case, but they've never went out and totally exposed this system by saying, hey, these mistakes, including this decision and the tripping call, is the reason these guys you will not see these guys in late January and early February. And so, I don't know. It just seems like it's a case of uh, a guy, Brad Allen, the, the white cap, just going through the motions more than anything. Not yeah. actually listening, not actually paying attention to what's going on on the field, mm-hmm. but just going through the motions. He sees the guy coming in. He's been reporting eligible all day. He sees him doing this. And in reality, the Detroit Lions were trying to throw up smoke screens, which, you, I mean, there's no way to nice. do in that situation because he's going to go to the defense and say, hey, 58, 68, mm-hmm. they're reporting eligible. So no matter how much you hide it, no matter how much you you –
2: Sugarcoat it, disguise it. He's going to announce it to the Bill defense Bill he said. Right. Right, we call it the Bill Belichick, you know, when you're messing with the rules just a little bit trying to mess with people. But yeah. go ahead, sir. I'm sorry about
1: that. Yeah.
3: No, no, it just, it just was them getting a little bit too cute because at the end of the day, you want them both to report eligible. And 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 I think it's the play would still work. Because nobody's paying attention to two tackles. Everybody's no. like, okay, the tackle's there. We don't need to worry about them. Let's Agreed. stop this run or let's penetrate. Let's do whatever we need to do to to win this play. They're not expecting Decker to come out for a pass. The problem is, I believe after you report, you got to come out. And so then that would have been an issue later on in the game. But yep. it, it, it wouldn't have mattered here.
1: Okay. So to me, in the end, the Cowboys – couldn't lose wait, for wait, winning. Skip, let me, yeah, let me go, explain. go ahead. Let me
2: skip, skip. Can, can, can yeah. you, re, you wait? Two people can't report, right? Two can two can two people can't report? Is that right? Can report. I don't. At I don't know if time? that's to be true. I don't know You're if like that's, that's to be
3: somewhere. true. I didn't. I people haven't people got that reverse.
1: I think okay. they can. Okay. I think two can. And to Richard's point, if we run the video again, you see right. Panay Sewell Six. is fifty-eight, and he's going straight to Brad Allen. along with Taylor Decker, who seems kind of second in line there, and then kind of looping behind them but making a late run at Brad Allen as he's already going toward the defense is Dan Skipper. So they were trying to camouflage, trying to disguise, trying to trick it up a little bit where Dallas couldn't fixate or focus on one guy as reporting eligible who would be Taylor Decker, who was going to be the primary receiver on the play, right? Right. Okay, right. right. Okay. so Richard, have you seen that? I don't know if you remember a game where, where multiple would try to look like they were reporting to fool you or fake you out?
3: Not, not since they changed the rule where the referee literally reports it, goes to the defense, reports it, yells it over the loudspeaker. I haven't seen somebody try to disguise because it doesn't make sense. He's literally going to snitch on you anyway. No matter how much you hide, you yes. got to go over there and tell him, hey – I'm reporting eligible, and he's going to say, no matter how much you hide it, no matter how much you disguise it, he's going to say, 68 okay. is reporting eligible, everybody. Hey, defense, 68 <laughs>
1: is a reported eligible. So, Okay, but that's not <laughs> what he got because Dan Skipper had reported eligible numerous times through the game already, which right. was right. Dan Campbell's way of trying to set up the fakery here. The, the, you know, the camouflage was – that right. oh well Taylor Deck, because the defense got told regularly, oh, 70's eligible, 70's eligible, 70's eligible. And in this case, it was gonna be 68 is eligible. And Dan Skipper tried to run in late just to fake them out, but but Brad Allen just jumped to the conclusion, oh, it's 70 again, reporting eligible because he'd done that several times during the game. And you can see all of a sudden that Brad Allen is taking off like he's trying to beat the clock and get to the defense in time to say what he'd been telling them all game long, that Dan Skipper is reporting as eligible when he did not actually say I'm eligible. And according. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. 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 No, it's okay. Go ahead.
3: No, what, what's insane about the play skip is Dan is Skipper. Isn't even in an eligible position when they get up to the line of scrimmage. He is not. OK, right. so he became irrelevant. Which is why they had the two play. flags. Why they had yes. two
2: flags.
1: OK, but, right. but I don't even, Michael, I don't get the second flag either because his explanation was that that he reported eligible, then lined up ineligibly. He, well, he got covered up. Okay. He got covered up once he reported. Okay, but you, he you, you, you. didn't report as eligible in the first place, right. according to him and <laughs> right. Dan Campbell. Right. So that's moot. That point is moot. And then right. <laughs> Taylor Decker lines up. To the left, but Richard, you, you've got a wide receiver out outside of Taylor Decker, right? So he, yes, sir. He's the last man on the line, but but he should have been eligible for the for the throw, if in fact
3: yeah, he, he, you got the receiver out there, and as as Irv knows, you got to check with the with the ref, and, and we've gone through this already with the Kansas City situation yeah. and Kadarius Tony. He definitely right. goes and says, "Hey, I'm off the ball." So at that point in time. The referee has to throw the flag immediately because it's an ineligible. You're looking down the line and you say, hey, there's an ineligible not covered up by a receiver. If you don't throw that flag, then you're saying, hey, 68 is eligible and this receiver is also eligible. So this is a legal play. And since they didn't call that flag, that's where I was sitting there scratching my head because you're looking down the line. That's like the first flag you throw. As soon as the ball snapped, that's like offsides, neutral zone. That's a... Dead ball, you throw the flag up, and you call it, and the play's dead. But in this situation, they didn't because I don't think they thought this was an ineligible situation until the end. That's why
1: they had to discuss it. Exactly. Can you believe that we've gotten to 2024, and the head referee is still required to run to the defense to say, hey, 68 or That's 70 right. is eligible? They, they used to, as Richard said, announce it over the, loud, over the sound system. 68 is eligible for the – but I don't think they do that. I don't hear it. Maybe they they tune it out for the live audience. I don't know. I don't think they announce it anymore. But they just tell well, the I, defense. I, I don't. Right?
3: Yeah, they, they, they definitely tell the defense. But they still yeah. measure in first downs with sticks and chains. <laughs> Skip, so this is the same game. Okay. Yeah. So I don't I know, I don't know when it's going to advance. You
1: got me. Bingo. Touche. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So – Previous to that, that, the NFL also has acknowledged that Brad Allen and company completely swung and missed on a tripping penalty that was called on the Cowboys' backup tight end, Peyton Hendershot. And it, at, at worst, it should have been called, on, or at best, on, on Aiden Hutchinson. I have no idea. If you look at the play again, I don't know if you can see it. It's hard to see that anybody did anything. It, it looks right. like Tony uh, uh, Tony Pollard just took off running, and he was fine. Nobody tripped him or tried to. Tri- I I don't see anything, and it was a a big penalty against Dallas that set them back and set in motion what was about to happen. Can you guys see anything here? Yeah, but I, I, don't, I, I
2: like you said, you know, I don't see I, I don't see a flag there. I, I
1: don't get it, Richard. You see anything? I don't.
3: I don't. I I, I, I see the attempt. <laughs> I, I see yeah. him trying to do okay. something. All right. But this, my my concern is like, there are some plays that they call where you where where the ref calls a flag, and then you can hear him listening, and then you're like, hey, we're waving the flag. That wasn't a penalty yes. because it, it yes. got reviewed up top, or it got reviewed in New York. And then some plays where you're like. Why can't they do that when you when it's clearly a missed call you you're always yeah. in their ear any other time, and then sometimes they
1: just let it go, which is odd, okay, so even so, even given that missed penalty, Mike McCarthy still had a chance to run a bunch of clock and still be in position right. for uh, another obviously field goal from our our field goal cooker who's not missed a field goal all year and yet on second down, he tries a deep pass to Brandon Cooks i think I we know. have it I don't, I, I don't know what this was all about because it's just a i don't killer. know what that was it's it's a killer i here was in is. the box screaming right I'll here i bet you were screaming because i was screaming
2: oh my god and you know, then out of bounds it yes, got yep. no hope yep. at all yep 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 no hope whatsoever yep. to make that completion I, I don't know what happened here I, I i think see we we give people so much so, so I don't, And they were off a few times on this route where, where one receiver they would stop they missed it early. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and he would throw that ball and throw that deep ball. But right here to have an incomplete pass at 150 left to go in the game and you got another 45 seconds to run off that clock on a completed pass. When they, when they went back down the field with 40 seconds left and they're on like the 20-yard line. I almost destroyed whosoever box I was in. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I can't believe we are here. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, my God. Now, now, let's, and I want to back up a little bit, guys, because to that, you know, Dan Campbell made the, made the decision to go for two. And okay. The ref, we can all sit here and extrapolate. Maybe that ref blew that call. He certainly looked like, from the standpoint, he blew that call. He but did. Dan Campbell... Had another opportunity. He did. right there to say, "I can kick this field goal right now and get this thing in overtime." Get it done because it. my offense, my offense just drove down the field and drove through that Dallas defense like like a hot knife on butter. He, he if did. I get the ball back, this game is over. You know what I mean? So so I can I can take what you guys are saying about yeah that was a bad call. That was a bad call. But that was a bad tripping call. But The game had to keep going on. And that next play, you could have made a better throw, won that game, or Dan Campbell could have kicked that ball and gone into
1: overtime. Okay. Michael, you said the defense played very well, and it did until all of a sudden, Mike McCarthy left a minute and 41 on the clock for Jared Goff and company, and they finally caught fire because they go 75 yards in nine plays for a touchdown. And that did right. not look like the same defense that had been on the field for most of the game. Obviously, you got prevent right. defenses going on and all this, but but again, the mentality—they right. lost their edge, and all of a sudden, Detroit's in the end zone, and it was clear. Troy Aikman who was saying on the the telecast, it, "It's just clear, Dan Campbell is going to go for two. If they get this ball in the end zone, right. he is going to go right. for two, and he was hell bent to go for two, even after they got pushed back." And then Micah was offsides, and they just kept going on. And that one right yeah. there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That one right there, Skip. Yeah. That one right there. Now, now, the drive, the drive, the score, all of that, okay. But the Micah offsides one. Because even during the drive and how the defense had played, you got an interception on that play. Game over. Yep. The game was over when, on that interception if, yep. if if you don't have that offside. And now that defense that had held Miami to 19 points turned around and held Detroit to 19 points ended and won this game on an interception. Yep, That's riding in the playoff high for me. That's a pretty good ride. Okay. See what I'm saying? So so it was just that, and, and, and I give you, it was that Michael mistake on the lineup. It wasn't even a jump. You're lining up offside. It's, it, it, may, it makes you throw your hands up. Like, we're way too late in the season for this. Uh, we're agreed. way too late in the season for this kind of lack of focus coming down the line right here as you get ready to go into the play. Okay.
1: So, Richard, you take this one. There's still one last two-point try, and they line up. their backup back up tight end, try to kind of hide him at the, the edge of the formation, James Mitchell, and he, he just runs sort of a quick out and they try to clear the area for him, and Jared Goff was just a little wide and, and off target with mm. the throw. What, what do you think of it? Do you think if the, if the throw's on time and on target that he scores, Curse is coming off his man yeah, to I, try to make the tackle?
3: I think it's a tough play. It's a bang-bang play. You know, I can't tell you. Football is one of those weird games where yep. it, there's no tackle that's created equal. You know, one play – a guy can can lunge through that tackle and reach for the pylon. Another play, yep. you know, the it, it curse knocks him down and knocks him out of bounds, and it's not a touchdown. So that's why everybody watches the game. So I don't know how that play goes, if he catches the pass or if it's a more accurate pass. I think more likely he finds a way to get the ball across the pylon since it's just a yard away. He, it's desperation time, so no matter what, it's going to be one of those chances where he at least puts it out there and gives himself a chance at the end zone.
1: Yeah. By the
2: way, that if back he understands leverage,
1: if he understands yeah. leverage,
2: if he understands leverage when he's running a route, like if I'm running, if he's running that route and I can feel that guy coming inside out, yeah. Then yeah, I can grab that ball and spin out and come out. If I feel him coming over the top uh, and, and and that ball is close enough to me where I don't have to, I can grab it and spin back around on the inside and come back and get in that end zone, if he understands leverage, there's no way he could have stopped, got stopped right there. If that dude that's catching that t- if that tight end, because it wasn't
1: Laporta, if he understands right. leverage, there's no way he doesn't get okay, in Okay, and the by the way, Michael, James Mitchell had caught one ball all year, and it had come right. earlier in the fourth quarter of that game on Saturday night. So you right. want to talk about a secret right. weapon who had had <laughs> no reps at all all year, and all of a sudden you're featuring him in the fourth quarter, and you clearly had this two-point play up your sleeve just in case the one to Taylor Deckard didn't work or wouldn't fit or whatever. So again, they had two chances to take it home, take a victory home, and they did not. So Michael, back to and, you. And they put that yeah.
2: tight end, and they put that tight yeah. end there when Laporta was going off. Laporta had the best day, seven mm-hmm. grabs in the day. So that, yeah. That was a sneaker tie. I sneaker not. I'd have had Laporta in that position if I'm gonna
1: throw that ball there. Okay, well that's another good point. So Michael, sum it up. As you left the stadium on Saturday night, were you elated or deflated? Not knowing what Philly was going to do, losing at home to Arizona, were you elated or deflated by what right. you had witnessed?
2: But I had witnessed a couple things. Skip, I was deflated. About how that game ended and everything, but I was honestly elated because of what had happened with Jimmy, and, yeah. and, and then what I watched my eighty eight do, you know, in <laughs> CD Lamb, Whoa. which which we'll talk about. We're so, talk so, about so yeah, it. I, I I left there, man. I was like, man, this is a strange feeling because remember now I didn't know what's going on with Philadelphia. I was like, man, this I just don't feel real good about the football part of it. I, I feel great about the other parts of it, but yeah. But, man, I just didn't feel like we won that game. It certainly didn't feel like what, what I talked about there prior to the game where, dude, you see what's on this field? All of these dudes have rings out here. All of these guys, everybody you're looking at out here yeah. ha- have rings. And, and, and that would have been a moment to say, man, like 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 I told y'all Michael Parsons said to me at the draft when he first saw me, I want to be like you. I'm gonna be like you. That means he wanted to be broadcast and I want to be a champion. I thought it would have pulled that out of them yep. a little bit more, especially on the offense. And 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 that
1: that's not what I saw. Okay. Our next topic this morning is all about Richard Sherman. He will own the next topic because the question will be: will he finally give it up? to Lamar Jackson for MVP. Can't wait to hear this. <laughs>
2: I'm
1: glad to be in on this
2: conversation. Yeah. I missed it last <laughs> <laughs> i <I'm a> Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Okay, Richard Sherman, you have been adamant that Lamar Jackson simply doesn't have the stats that have always been required to win an MVP. He did obviously have a big game yesterday as the Ravens at home blew out the Dolphins, of course, 56 to 19. Lamar went 18 to 21, 321 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. QBR scale of 0 to 100 of 96. So Richard, did that performance change your mind? Uh, Skip,
3: no, it did not, because the, the fact of the matter remains the same for me. That, that, that didn't move the needle. It was a fantastic performance by Lamar Jackson at a time his team needed it. It was a statement game late in the season, in December. You got to give him all the credit in the world. But the five touchdowns in this game against the Miami Dolphins, a- as crazy as it sounds, Skip, are almost as many as he had in the months of both September and November combined. In those m- months combined he had 6 touchdowns passing. And so when you when you look at the full picture I just don't see it. And again people argue with me and they're like, "Man, you're just hating. I don't see how I'm hating. I'm just laying out the facts of the matter." If he you're had not hating,
1: 30 I- I'll be the first to say you're not hating. Go ahead. No. no, yeah. no.
3: yeah, I think because I think yeah. he's a fantastic. I thought that was an unbelievable game. I thought he played really well against San Francisco. I think he's yeah. having a really good season. It's just when he had his MVP season, and it was unanimous, so you got to put an asterisk next to that because it was so outstanding that it was he was the first unanimous MVP in the history of the league, but he had 36 touchdown passes. Yeah. And then you look at him having 24 this year. He had 1,200 rushing yards. You look at it, he has about 843 or so this year. And so I don't see it as the same in that respect. And people are like, well, he should get MVP because of What? If the numbers aren't there, then there's not much to say. People were like, they were comparing it to the Peyton Manning season of 2008. I mean, that season, he had six fourth quarter comebacks. Uh, He led the league in QBR. There were things that happened late in that year that kind of pushed him over the top, but the stats weren't necessarily there. And again, that was 15 years ago. If I look at the last 20 MVPs of the National Football League, three of them being running backs, you had all day Adrian Peterson. Mm Mm-hmm who had 2,000 yards, you had Ladanian with 31 total touchdowns, you had Sean Alexander with 28 total touchdowns, but outside of that, it's been quarterbacks. And those quarterbacks, there's only been three, three, and two of them were co-MVPs in 2003, and that was Steve McNair and Peyton Manning. They had 29 total touchdowns for Steve McNair, 28 for Peyton, and they were co-MVPs, and then you have the 2008 Peyton season where he had 28 total touchdowns. And that's it. Everybody else had above 30 touchdowns. And so if you're going to tell me there was an MVP 20 years ago, they were, they shared it. And then Peyton Manning, 15 years ago, out of all the quarterbacks that have won it, and that's it. Nobody else has had less than 30 touchdowns in the last decade, in the last two decades. Then I'm going to say, I would assume they would stick to that pattern. So I guess skip, uh, but he's the betting favorite. So There's a chance he gets it, but I think it will be one of them situations where they have to split it because he has under 30 touchdowns. So they split it like they did in 2003 with Steve McNair and Peyton, likely giving it to CMC or Tyreek and and Lamar because, you know, I guess that's what they're going to do. Because otherwise, I just don't understand it.
1: Okay, just for the record, if if you had a vote right here, right now, it would go to. Christian McCaffrey. Okay, one vote for no split vote. You just give it to Christian. No,
3: I, I, I'd split it if that's what we had to do. I mean, it's, no, it's closer you, than it was before he had five touchdowns. Right. Yeah. You know, he had five touchdowns this right. week. And, and recency, it, it counts to a degree, but you also have to put the full scope of the picture. So I have to give him credit for what he did against the San Francisco 49ers in a primetime game with the world watching. Right. Played fantastic. And then what he just did against Miami with the number one seed on the line, he played his best football and executed. So I do have to factor that in. And his
1: yardage, his rushing, his impact. And by the way, before you go, Michael Christian didn't have much of a game at Washington yesterday. But he did tweak his—I think it was his calf. They said it wasn't a big deal. But he, I think mid third quarter, he didn't play much the rest of the way, if at all. I think he didn't go back in at all. So his numbers were right. not huge. He didn't have MVP caliber numbers at Washington, for what that's worth. No. Okay, right. go, Michael.
2: And now, no, no, no right, right now, and listen. But I was home the other day when you guys were on this. It was just a great day. I was sitting home. I enjoyed the conversation Richard when I and got Keyshawn. to work. Yep. Yeah, I, I got to work. I told Key, I said, it was so funny when Key told Sherm, All right, Sherm, go ask your face now because we beat you up a little bit. And they both started laughing at the end. It was all funny. It was great. I couldn't wait to get a chance to have, have this discussion. Because I was with Sherm on this, Sherm, because Sherm was talking about this. Sherm said, you guys can't just keep coming up and saying, this is the game to determine the MVP. It's the culmination of the whole season. It's not this one game who outdoes each other, who outduels each other in this one game, even though we do do that. We do do that. You know what I mean? I understood what you meant because it was. The Brock Purdy's and the Lamar Jackson's like right there battling and since they got a chance to be head to head, everybody's going to measure them and say, now he's the leader. You know what I mean? But it's a whole <laughs> season, not just that one game. So I was with you on that, Sherm. Now, now even and I think they heard you talking about his numbers. They look like they were I directing so at getting him some passing touchdowns. <laughs> I think so. I think, I they, think heard they heard so you. Too. Right. You I was like, I was like, they heard him. They gonna help him. And then right after the game, they all were hollering, MVP. They were MVP. Like like them five touchdowns. Now we can do it, Sean. We good. So I was like, okay, I see, I see. They saw this too. But I would also add to 2019 when he got that unanimous MVP, dude, this dude was phenomenal. See, we get caught up in the dynamic, too. We get caught up in that thing that, oh, my God, we ain't never see that. My, and re- remember some of the runs he made that season from a quarterback position? We were, we, we were saying even Michael Vick didn't make those kind of runs. And Michael Vick right. was the joystick on your football game. You know what I mean? So we said Michael Vick didn't make those kinds of runs. So, so, so we got caught up in that. But what we don't get caught up in is the consistency that he's displayed this year. The consistency for his football team, those numbers, in all 16 games, he's had his team in the lead in the last two minutes. The only other time that has happened was those seven Patriots, and you know what kind of season those seven Patriots had. You know, So that what we're saying is late in the season, late in the game, when other guys are throwing late touchdowns, garbage, garbage touchdowns, sometimes games they are losing touchdowns. Lamar Jackson didn't have to do that because he had he had ma- managed and mastered his team and that game, the, re- the early on in that game, so he wasn't caught up trying to catch up. So I give him credit for that. That's not something we talk about giving MVPs, but it's certainly something we should be talking about giving, giving MVPs because if you can keep your team in the league in the last two minutes of every game, you're going to win. A lot of those games, and, of course, and obviously they won 13 of them so far in the last 16, so they're winning a lot of those games. Right now, right now, with all that we have, and remember measure men and distance travel, when we're coming from, these guys didn't even know if they were going to be working together last year. And Lamar Jackson has a whole new offense. Exactly. I'm just seeing – the early stages of this right now. That's why I started going crazy when I saw him sitting in the pocket so long because when you put that and tap that into what he has running, then that, that that is dangerous, and he is having an MVP season. That's why he's my MVP mm. right now. Okay.
1: So, Richard, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask about this because – If you will remember, before the season started, I picked the Ravens to win it all, to win the Super Bowl. And it was because my logic was, I believe Lamar coming off the contractual nightmare he went through last year, now that it's solved, I thought he was gonna bounce back and win MVP his second this year. And you can argue he got off to a fairly slow start and your stats are dead on accurate about back to those couple of months. There were a lot of drop balls, but he lost Mark Andrews, obviously. He lost two really good running backs. He, he was in the Todd Monkin offense that was brand new to him. And all I know is down the stretch, if we look at the last three weeks, if you look at how he took over and controlled games at Jacksonville when I thought they were legit, they won 23-7 to at Jacksonville. And obviously <laughs> they went to the 49ers and just destroyed them on their turf. And then that thing happened yesterday to Miami. And I thought early on that without Kyle Hamilton in the secondary for the Ravens, then they lost Marlon Humphrey right off in like the first couple of series. And they didn't have Brandon Stevens on top of that at corner. And I thought this is going to be a shootout and Lamar's going to have to be really MVP great today. It didn't turn out that way, but it was like Lamar was playing it like it was a shootout. And he put, out, put up shootout numbers for his team that Tua was not able to match even against that battered Ravens secondary. So when, when I look at the body of work, how, again, we, we go back and forth about eye test. My eye test just tells me that Lamar rose above this NFL season and just took it over. But it's not all statistics. You have to carefully watch it. And what is your sort of subconscious telling you that the most valuable player in all of football, especially because of what he did to McCaffrey and Brock Purdy and Kyle on their, their field, that, that he was the MVP. And I think he's going to win it in a runaway. I don't know if he'll be unanimous, but I think it'll be close to unanimous just because of the last three weeks. Yeah, I
3: just I, and, and if that's the case, Skip, then that changes the president for how they vote for the it, award. Would. And the same thing yep. that makes you laugh will make you cry later because there will be a time where Lamar has the stat similar to his unanimous MVP season, and then somebody will be talking about these intangibles. Maybe maybe they won't have the number one record in the AFC, and somebody else, they'll be like, it's the eye test, it's the eye test, it's this, it's that, but the numbers aren't there. And then there will be Baltimore fans screaming from the mountaintops that this is dead wrong because Lamar has the numbers. And so that's where I just, I don't know if they can set this precedent. And well, I mean, I guess they can. They can do whatever they want. They can but if you set this precedent, then you set it for the future. And then you start to make it very muddy for the future in that the numbers don't matter. And so if the numbers don't matter, then what does then? Because everything else is speculation. Everything else is conjuncture. Everything else is an opinion. Like the eye test is a subjective matter. My eyes see different than yours. You may have 2040 and I got 2020. Skip, that's subjective. I can't see it how you see it. But the things that that aren't debatable, that aren't negotiable, are the numbers, the concrete numbers that you put down on the field. And that's why they've used it every year to help determine this award. And you rarely ever see a situation where the MVP isn't leading the league in at least one category. Even yeah. Peyton's year, he led it in QBR. Um, the last couple of years, the quarterbacks have led it in touchdowns. All right. Majority of the time, they, they have led it in touchdowns. And so right now, he's 10th in passing
1: touchdowns. All right. I, yeah, but Richard but, 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 he's, he, he's leading the touchdown. league in but one passing. category right now and it's 13 and 3, right? That's all he's got right, is right, they're right. 13 and 3. That's a team three. stat. Yeah, I understand. That's a team stat. You right, can't right. you can't give me a team stat and say he's leading in it
3: when they have the number 1 defense in sacks, takeaways, scoring. They do. Like I hear what you're saying, but that's a complete team right. or otherwise you're spitting in the face of this defense and saying, "Hey, they're not doing anything for these wins. They're not they're not making an impact or a difference." And that's not true.
2: Okay, go, Mike. Well, but everybody's making – everybody on the team is making a great impact and making a difference, but we, we tend to give quarterbacks more due when, when things are going great. We tend to give them a little bit more, more bad when things are going not so great. So, so that, that's the reality of it. But, Sherm, you bring up a point that, that we are witnessing. We are witnessing things change at the quarterback position. We are witnessing different ways that that position now produces – uh, yards and touchdowns so so yeah it used to be all about the passing touchdown but now we're getting the dual threat quarterbacks the yep. real dual threat quarterbacks not 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 athletes playing quarterbacks you know what I mean not a guy that's really a runner that we turned into a quarterback we're getting quarterbacks that can really run and that's what Lamar Jackson is really that has really turned yep. into before, you could have said he was, you know, he was joking about, I'm a running back, I'm a running back. He, 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 not so joking, joking. But you know what I mean? We, we yeah. man, you are running back trying to throw. But now this dude's a real quarterback and he, that can run. And that's the difference. And I do believe those numbers are going to change because people are going to see this kind of effectiveness. Yeah. Uh, uh, J- Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts open it up. So how can you start having those guys in the Super Bowl like last season and start saying, well, how how did he get his team to the Super Bowl? He's not even in the MVP conversation only because he threw for 25, only threw for 26 touchdowns, 25 touchdowns, and ran for another eight, nine touchdowns. You know what I mean? So you're going to get those numbers there as the game moves, and the game is moving.
1: Yeah, good point.
2: All
3: right. I feel that, but, I, 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 but I've but i seen two mobile quarterbacks win the award. And so those quarterbacks had 35 for Cam Newton. Killa won it in 2015 with 35 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns. Lamar himself won it with 36 passing touchdowns to seven rushing right. touchdowns, 43 total. So we've seen it done yep. by him specifically, by another mobile-type quarterback in Cam Newton. And the numbers, again— were a lot more than that. That were 45 total touchdowns for Cam, 43 for Lamar. So, again, those points are why I'm saying this is just one of those years where if it went co, I wouldn't be
1: surprised. Okay, Richard, last question just for you. You said your vote would go to Christian McCaffrey. How much, remember, Brock Purdy has been, I I don't know, most of the weeks of this year. The majority of this year, Brock Purdy was the favorite to win MVP. How much has CMAC benefited from... Brock Purdy, how much would they cancel each other out, along with Kyle's offense, along with his scheme, benefiting both of them? How how much of that would would cancel each other out, both Brock and CMAC under Kyle?
3: Uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure. That's up to the voters. That's a great question, though, Skip. Yep. I, I think after his, his, his performance against the Baltimore Ravens, you know, whether the interceptions were his fault or whether they weren't, it, it still happened. It's a four-interception game. Yeah. I think that would dissuade some voters and really put the onus on Christian McCaffrey. And I think that's why the, the betting odds are the way they are with Christian McCaffrey second in those. I think Tyreek being hurt for one of the games, the last three games, and then having under 100 yards for the last two will affect that. And so I think I, I think if somebody's going to vote for a San Francisco 49ers player, I think it's going to be Christian McCaffrey just because of how that game went for Brock Purdy. All right.
1: Up next here on Undisputed on this New Year's Day, David Tepper's thrown drink up in that luxury box at Jacksonville. Should he be punished and how should he be punished? That's next. No mercy, no mercy. up. up in a luxury box in jacksonville yesterday carolina owner david tepper was caught on video tossing the contents of a drink at jaguar fans this came late in the game carolina lost 26 to nothing first time the panthers have been shut out in 342 games dating back to 2002. Richard, please, your reaction to this. Shaking my head, Skip, <laughs> mm. because
3: if you if you go back and look at everything that led to this moment, that led to this team being in the position they were, David Tepper is at has his hands on everything, everything, and whether that's right. right, wrong, or indifferent. There were people whose job it is to scout and to to understand these college players to document and, and show where they should fit in the draft, who they should get, who they should not get. And everybody in this department, The you know, I'm not going to speak for anybody because they drafted Bryce Young and they feel good about it, so I'm not going to put any names to it. But there were a lot of people in this building that felt they should have drafted C.J. Stroud. Mm. And hindsight is 2020, and we can see how well C.J. Stroud is doing. But David Tepper went in and said, hey, this is my decision, this is my team, I haven't done any research, but I feel this is the best decision. I want us to draft Bryce Young. And I want us to trade two first-round picks and DJ Moore, our top receiver at the time, to go get Bryce Young. And now you go back and look and you say, say Wow, well, this team is doing terribly, and it would be okay if they had the pick that they earned by playing this bad. But guess what? They don't. They don't. Because their owner got involved and said he wanted Bryce Young. Yep. And so – when you think about the 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 situation of him throwing a, a drink on somebody, I mean, it it, it's, it it seems like it's right on course with with who he has been in a lot of these situations. He he feels like he's above the law. He feels like, hey, I'm a billionaire. I can do as I please, and there will not be any retribution. There will not be any consequence. I can. I can go buy my my old boss's house and tear it down and build a, a bigger house. I can do things and be rude, and there will not be any consequences. And in this case, I, I would assume he's right, Skip. He's yeah. right. There's not going to be a lot of consequences because not. financial yeah. is not going to do it for him. You, you, you find a man $500,000, he'll laugh. A million dollars, he'll laugh. It won't mm-hmm. It won't affect his bottom mm-hmm. line in the least, so it won't change <laughs> behavior even if you— but well, what you going to do? Ban him from a game? Suspend him from a couple games? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't want to go to those games. I'm sure he's throwing drinks at people at the game. So, correct. I just don't know what you do to correct this behavior because they're in a position where it's not correctable and it's it's habit and it's not changed. Ooh, Michael.
2: Yeah, and 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 well, I I don't know what they will do because, you know, like like Sherm just said, this is an owner and boy Fine, and it just doesn't mean to make any sense to me. But, but I tell you what I do know, if that had been a player, oh. it would have been swift. They would have swept down quickly to send a message to everybody, we will not have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So that's, that, that's where my mind went with it and went soon with, with her. Like, okay, I want to see now when they, what the NFL does about this. this that, 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 that's a scary situation. You know that is a scary situation. You don't know what happens. You throw that water, people start <clears throat> coming and running in that in in that box, and I d- you throw it to the wrong people, and they would have rushed that box. And now yep. you got you got all kind of crazy stuff happening at an NFL game, and that's the last thing the National Football League wants is to be in that type of situation. You know, so so I, I yeah I, I I'm shocked if they don't do something, but. I, I, the thing is, if they do, if they say we're going to find them $5 million, $10 million, I, I don't know what they do with that 5 or $10 million. I, you know, if you're going to do something like that, I want it to get out of the NFL hands and just I want to see you hand over $5 million to somebody to, to say this is his punishment. Don't say, oh, we find $5 million, and you just throw it in the kitty of the hundreds of billions of dollars you have, that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, 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 it's something you don't want to see, and the fans have a right. When you have a 2-14 team and Sherm just told you you had your hand all in this, whatever they're saying to you, they've said about all kinds of owners. You know what I mean? Because fans take ownership in these teams, and that's what you want them to do. They're buying all your merch. They're showing up at those games. They feel like they have something to say. You you can at least listen to that without throwing a drink on them. It's just Mm -hmm. the wrong thing and a wrong message.
1: Just wrong all the way around. So, to me, and I've been watching, covering, studying your sport for many, many years, this for sure qualifies as conduct unbecoming for a representative of the National Football League. Many, many, many times we have talked on this show about conduct unbecoming on a player that is punished for it, to Michael's point. But... I don't know how you punish an owner short of taking away a late round draft pick, take his sixth or seventh round pick away next year. But I'm pretty sure every other owner in this league would stand up and say, over our dead bodies, will we punish an owner like that? Because Pandora's box would fly open. And there has been so much conduct unbecoming on the part of various owners in Indianapolis, Uh, in Dallas, the former owner in Washington, I could go on and on and on, and it goes unpunished because they're owners. The former
2: owner, right, and and, but 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 even David Tim like you got that team because of an owner acting in an unbecoming way. You did. You know what I mean? But that that was really that
1: was across the line, over the line unbecoming
2: yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But that but you would think that he he would think about that in this situation and say okay you know what I mean because that that's going to give people fodder to bring it all back up again.
1: Yeah, but yeah. obviously, as you guys know, a lot of owners I have had the pleasure and, and been, been blessed to be around, they can be hot-headed, they can be gigantically egotistical because that's what drove them to make the money required to buy one of these franchises. So it doesn't surprise me when they act out like this because obviously his feelings were hurt about what they were saying through the window. I think it was an open window at that point to him sitting up in that box. He was shamed. He, he, I'm sure they were saying, Michael, to him just what you were saying or Richard, what you were saying about, well, you had a hand in this. It's your fault. And It's your fault. Yeah, he responds like, like a child and throws his drink at them. And the only other thing that could happen here is that one of those fans files an assault charge against him. You could try that. You could file a, a oh, simil- no, no, no! I'm sure
2: this fan yeah. will. I'm sure this guy yeah. is. Good. Especially no after he sees they get this kind of yeah. publicity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That people are talking about it. Trust me, there's some uh, lawyer right now calling but, him. Oh, there are quite a few looking for him right now. Yeah. But, but, but again, to
3: this situation he has enough money that he can fight the case. And Definitely. that's where you're, you're, no you're talking about a fan with without those resources. But back to the punishment side of things, and then let's go even further to trying to hire another coach. Like, you're going to have to try to hire another coach. And if this coach hears, well, I mean, it's clearly out there that you get way too involved in the draft sure. process when you literally have hired these guys to run this process, you've hired these people, these smarter, these brilliant minds to go and scout, spend hours and hours at these colleges on the road, driving, missing their families to go do a job for you to go and say, hey, screw all the work you've been doing. This is my call. I'm thinking as a head coach, if you got a prestigious head coach, somebody who has multiple offers, he's not going to Carolina with David Tepper because I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with somebody that gets too involved in my team and telling me what to do and telling me who I should draft and telling me who I should play and throwing stuff on the fans. I mean, we've looked at a Carolina Panthers game where there was less than, what what they say, 100 people in the stands? And you, st- yep. you, you should be grateful, mm-hmm. regardless of what these people are saying, that they're showing up to the games when your team has won two ball games mm-hmm. out of 16. And these people are still showing up. So you should appreciate the fact that they're showing up to support this team and they're passionate, like, like you said, Irv. And so you got to – he better slow this down because the more of a battery this is what, his second year as an owner? Third? I'm losing And five, you're three. already getting a bad – yeah. bad reputation as an owner and some of these owners have been owners for a very long time and I would have guessed he would be until you know his time is over but you're not going to really attract the players and the coaches to change this organization around when you act like this but Richard
1: you well know there are only 32 of these jobs somebody some coach will take this job even if he has to be the puppet coach for David Tepper right
3: no question, somebody's going to take it. It's just not going to be the quality of coach that right. would take it if you weren't this kind of owner.
1: Yeah. Right. Go,
2: Michael. And and, and, yeah. and we we all have to understand though now, and I always say this, when you get to these kind of guys, these people that are way up here like this, sometimes the greatest asset can be their greatest liability. They've been so successful yeah. doing things the way that they do things. And, and you can't even fault them sometimes when they come in because you're like, whoo. Whatever you, whatever business decisions you made to get to get to the point where you can purchase an NFL team, I I I can't say anything about that. So they feel like, oh, well, we made those decisions and it worked over here, and we can do it over here. And I try to tell people it's a difference. It's a difference, and that's why I say things like. Even if you're an owner, you gotta hire people that communicate with guys that are wearing a uniform. Yep. You're only used to communicating with the guys that wear suits. And, it, and it's different when you're talking to guys that wear uniform. So that they, they have to understand that. Jerry, we're, we're talking about, you You talk about those owners, Jerry Jones. Hey, this is why we were having that day Saturday. That's exactly right. This is the right. same This, this is why we were finally having that day. That's right. 30. Years, years later, yep. 30 years later, it was like, dude, this is, you know, and, and I even said one time, you know, it, 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 you, you can't let your own emotions get in the way of some situations. I was proud of Jerry the other day, allowing Jimmy to have that moment setting aside whatever went down, but it's not an easy thing because that same ego skip as you just talked Ugh. about
1: That's what got them to billions and billions of dollars. got them, and obviously it's a sore subject for you now, Michael, but Jerry, after winning two Super Bowls with Jimmy, fired Jimmy over who gets the most credit and how involved was Jerry with Jimmy as the GM of the Dallas Cowboys. And and as you know, it it blew up for reasons that everybody said, what are you doing? You could have won, I don't know, five in a row, six in a row. And that's going to haunt you for the rest of your born days.
2: Right. And and good thing
1: Jerry, and and
2: I don't know if David Tapia has anybody, but I'm going to tell you something like like Jerry, Jerry had, you know, the Al Davis is to learn things and say, Hey, pull back. You can't let guys like that go. Don't do that. Don't listen to this. Don't listen. And I don't know if Tapper has that. I hope he no, does. No. I hope he does. Yeah. Because I, I, I would have been scared of what Jerry may have become without an Al Davis to yeah. help taper him back yeah, and point. put him in the right area. Okay,
1: speaking of that, up next, we debate whether Jerry Jones, by putting Jimmy in his ring of honor, has finally broken his Jimmy curse. Yeah. Here we go.
3: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com.
1: That's BlueNile.com. Enough of us for the moment. Now it's your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go. First tweet from True Story. Here we go. There's Michael on Saturday night. There's Emmett on Saturday night. There's Jimmy saying, how about them Eagles? How about them Eagles? (laughs) Woo, thank you. (laughs) Thank
2: you, Eagles. That was a cool moment. That's right. I I enjoyed enjoyed that. It was great. Yeah, sure. That, that, that was a great moment, man, right there. And Coach lined that thing up with that. How about them Cowboys, <laughs> man? It was, I get emotional even
1: watching it today. It's just a great moment. Yeah. It I was think. a moment. Second tweets from The De Truth Detroit Lions fans falling victims to the wet bandits. There's Pesci and Stern from Home Alone. (laughs) And I remind you, the Lions also fell victim or got robbed in a playoff game in Dallas in 2014. If you remember that, Michael. Do you remember Anthony Hitchens? Was that pass interference? They picked up the flag and it was blatant pass interference. I don't know what that was about. But thank you. We appreciate you. Maybe we'll see Detroit again. All right. tweet, Tweet number three is from James Pearson. The referees in the Dallas-Detroit game. Uh, see you never, <laughs> says the great, great Charles. See right, you never. Right, right. Yeah, that is true. Don't see. Yeah. Okay, Michael Irvin, you have brought this up several times on this show that you believe finally putting your coach, Jimmy Johnson, the ring of honor, the Cowboys ring of honor, will break the 28-year curse that has kept the Cowboys out of even an NFC championship game since your Cowboys won the franchise's last Super Bowl. That was in early 1996. Wow. After what you experienced, Michael, at halftime, in that game on Saturday night, do you feel even better about the Jimmy curse being broken?
2: Well, listen, today, man, that Saturday night, After I saw what happened in the game, I promised I got home. I thought, I said, wow, that's interesting. That's crazy that what happened at the end of the game on the night that Jimmy went in. Because remember, when I was there, Skip, somebody, I don't know if it was you or Sherm or or Key, asked me, did we win that night that we got inducted? We were playing the Washington Commanders. Right, right, Key did. And we were up the whole game. The whole game, like 14-0, and then like, uh, 13-0. We missed each point or something. And, and, and late in the game, I think they hit Santana Moss for the touchdown. We lost that game. And I was having that feeling. I was like, oh, my God, this is happening again. Mm. This happened again. You know, I thought that was happening that night. But when they won that game, the day, at, the end, at the end of that game, I mean, when they won that game, that took me back to Jimmy. I said, oh, maybe this thing is really over now all of that jinx that has been laying over the Dallas Cowboys. And then when Philly went down, the way they went down, up all of those points, Mm -hmm. there's no way anyone could have seen right here, right now, the Dallas Cowboys being the (laughs) NFC East winner. I was like, whoa, we are about to get games coming in today. Our stadium, mm-hmm. I was worried about and trying to move around the whole playoff picture to see who I can send to San Francisco so we didn't have to go there, and now we won't have to go there until it's the NFC Championship game. Oh, man. Well, I tell you what, man, that that, that curse. Yeah, that's, that's that Jimmy John. It has to be. Has There's to be. no other way. Yep. There was no other way this could have come out. It happened the way it had happened. There's no other way. And Jimmy gets his moment in that building and hovers over that building, and now we will have more moments in that building. There's no... I'm saying, yes, this is the curse being lifted. And I hope they see that this is the curse being lifted and start grabbing a hold to what's rightfully theirs. Mm, Richard, you buying? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is... This is
3: not something that I, I ever thought about, so I can't, I can't say that I'm buying or selling. You know, I thought it was a special moment. I thought that was one of the more cool things, just the history of the NFL and all that. So the energy, the, the how about them Cowboys, was, was the icing on the cake, the cherry on top. Uh, but again, that team did not respond in the way that I thought. You know, the referees responded in a way, you know, to, to, to change the outcome. But I didn't think that the team necessarily said, hey, and, and what, what I want to do, because we haven't yet, is give Dak Prescott a ton of credit in C.D. Lamb. He had what three seventy four in the game. We talked about the offense not playing well, but three seventy four is as good as it gets. I think two, uh, C.D. Lamb had two thirty. Yeah. So I guess those guys responded in a big way. Then you got the Micah Parsons offsides. The defense had two turnovers. You know, it, there was there were moments for both teams in that game. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see January fifteenth through the. Through February 14th or whatever the Super Bowl
2: is. But 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 Sherman, if they put up the average if they put up the regular 40 points that they've been putting up and they blow that game out, then there is no indication that we can have any verification that the curse had been lifted. So so this way, this way, as, as odd as it is, it's crazy as it is, it has to be this way. Just so you can sit and say, there's no other way, or there's no other explanation for the things to happen in the way that they have happened, except the curse has been lifted. That's all. That's what I'm saying. You you, you know what I mean? No way Philly loses that game against Arizona. No way. You, no way that happens.
1: No way that happens. Not I didn't up see up that happen to Skip. Six. No that's kind right, of Right, right. Okay, not up Michael, we, we got to take the first step first. We have not played well on the road, though we've had our moments on the road, but not lately. But – We still have to go to our arch rival, as bad as they've been, despite the fact we are 13 and a half point favorites at Washington this Sunday, 425 Eastern on Fox, we still have to deal with a team that has bedeviled us for years. You experienced it in your time, Michael. You know and I know they will be spoiling to spoil our season because they can knock us right back on our golden tails. If we can't right. figure out a way to beat them the way San Francisco figured out a way to beat them, it was close for a little while, then they pulled away, and and yet I, I still feel like we're we're just better than them, and surely we can go to their place, their house, and and figure out a way to win by one point. I don't care if we win by one point because that's all we need for two home playoff games. Obviously, if you win the first one, so your thoughts, Michael, on. Can we
2: beat Washington at washington yes, and, I, and, and and to this, let me move it to Washington and, and along the same lines of what we 're talking about the curse of Jimmy being lifted. you know i, I we, we had some struggles in Washington, remember skip that was the that was the famous they if they were really hungry, they could have eaten on the football field when that poor lady, oh my God, on your team lady, plane,
1: yep, going on on
2: our team plane. Going home after we lost a the game that no we food. shouldn't have lost to Washington. You lost Washington, to Washington. She was, she was just trying to serve food the flight to the players. Yes, mm-hmm. right. The flight attendant. That poor lady when and got that cart and Jimmy got up and said, "Put <laughs> <"Buck laughs> that cart away! <laughs> Don't you feed nobody anything? If they were really hungry, they would have ate on that football field." And, and from that point on, <laughs> from that point on, though, that for, was it. For, hey. From that point on, we didn't lose any more games. Nope. Right? We don't win the Super Bowl. But 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 every time late in the game, we are close, I would always come and huddle and say, hey, are we gonna eat today or not? What are we going you know? That means are we gonna eat on that airplane or not? Jimmy made sure that he kept the edge on. And I'm telling you the ghost of Jimmy made sure that he kept the edge on. I was worried about this team going to Washington with nothing to play for. They're already not playing well, and now you're going to go to Washington with nothing to play for. Jimmy would never have... Jimmy would have said... We're playing. Everybody's playing the whole game. Don't even ask about who's not playing. And I'll let you know later on. He'll tell us, okay, now you come out of the game. Because he didn't want to lose the week of practice, not just because when you say you're not playing, then you don't practice the same with the same intensity. That was something he always kept under his cap and his cap only. And I knew it always helped our team. And he's helped that team right now by saying, Get ready to play Week 18 because you
1: know you need Okay, Michael, I'm going to remind you. One year ago this week, our team went to Washington with a little bit to play for if Philly was going to have a hard time with the Giants in Philly, which they did not because Giants were down to their third-string quarterback. But remember, we laid our biggest egg of the year, even though the starters did play. Dak was horrible in that game, threw another pick six in that game. We lost 26-6. to six. Dak had a QBR, I think, of 15 on a scale of 0 to 100. It was arguably his very worst game. He was below 50% in completions. And their young quarterback, who we'll have to see again, just tore us up, as did their run game, as did everything else. We didn't show up, but you can argue nobody really believed that Philly was right. going to lose to the Giants, and there was nothing else to play for but they got to right the wrong of one year ago on this field, right?
2: Right, right. And and, and that's what I mean, Skip. Like like the pressure wasn't on. And Dallas no. doesn't play well, certainly when the pressure's not on and you got a week off. So I'd imagine they had a horrible practice that week and it showed up on the football field because they practiced like, well, this game really doesn't matter. But this game really does matter. Really they have that number two seed really right matter. now. I mean, there, there's no – tinkering about it there's no messing with it if they thought and i thought leaving the game saturday night okay yeah. they're not going to have anything to play for next week yeah if they thought that you know what i mean now you can't even possibly think that you have to be full go yeah so richard yeah, back and, to you and, and go ahead
3: that's one yeah. of the things that i'm a little bit concerned with for this team right, is that you got to play you know, I would almost, right. you know, I know you You prefer to play at home and you guys are a lot better at home, so I'll give you that. The two seed used to be mean more because you yeah, would be you getting buy. rest yep. next week and got, getting a bye, but the things have changed. But it's the the age of this offensive line and how banged up they are. You know, Tyler Smith went out the other day. Uh, Tyron Smith has has been banged up throughout the season. So resting this week would have been beneficial for those guys heading into this playoff run. Heading into the tournament and giving those guys a chance to say, "Hey, give these bodies as much juice as you can get them left." You know what I mean? Get get your massages, get your hyperbaric chambers, get everything you can get, and get ready to make this run. But instead, you got to grind through this last game and then grind straight through the playoffs, which is which is a tough task for anybody to ask. I mean, there there have been teams that have done it. The Rams did it. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it as, as wild-card teams and went, you know, the gauntlet of the four games and went to the Super Bowl and, and found a way to win. But it's a tough road. It's a very tough road.
1: Okay, but Richard, right yeah, you, you have been doing your divisional and done dance for the Dallas Cowboys all year long on this show. Are you starting to worry that we could get past the <laughs> divisional round if we get two home games? Because we would not have to see San Francisco in this scenario until the NFC Championship game obviously, at San Francisco.
3: Yeah, yeah. The thing that is concerning me, Skip, is that you might not make it to the divisional. That's the only thing that's got me holding my breath. I'm like, come on. You got to win this first one for me. Win this one for the Gipper yeah, so that I can, you know what I mean? Because then otherwise I got to go talk to Wayne and we got to do wild card and out or right one and done or, you know what I mean? I don't feel like changing the lyrics. So I I need them to get to the divisional so that I can do my little dance.
1: They're going to get to the divisional because they're going to go to Washington and win this game by one point if that's what it requires because I think the Jimmy curse has been broken. But Richard, I will give you this and I will give Michael this, and I think he concurs. We have now carefully watched two straight games, one in Miami, one against a good Detroit team in Dallas, and it left all of our emotions mixed because we saw a lot of really good things, like Super Bowl-ish kind of things, and we saw things that made us shrug and roll our eyes, like where did that come from? So they're not clicking on Super Bowl cylinders, but, Richard, I'm going to say this to you one more time, and I'm on record with it. I believe if we can get back to San Francisco, we will finally beat the 49ers at the 49ers. I know Michael does not like to hear that. It horrifies him, that kind of talk. But I believe with all my heart and soul, the third time will be the playoff charm for Dallas versus San Francisco. And I do think the Ravens expose some of the potential weaknesses that the 49ers can have at home starting with the quarterback. And I think we can do similar things that the Ravens did. I I believe if Dallas can get there. Dallas can win the NFC Championship game, their first one in 28 years, at San Francisco.
3: And, Skip, that's why Ah. people say you're getting delusional in your younger age because things things outside (laughs) of reality. (laughs) Now, the first thing that you say it made total sense. Skip, your team has played really well in these games. Dak Prescott, you know, yeah. if it wasn't for, you know, the games and the record, he would be having an MVP season. He's leading the league in touchdown passes. He's played phenomenal now. Yeah. Your guy, your 11 from heaven, is concerning to me right now. I he's know. got me scratching my agree. head because last season, fight. he's yeah. starting yeah. He's starting to revert back into what he did last season. He had a sack and a half from de- December 1st to January, what, 20th Whatever. or so when yeah. they when they got put home, yeah. when they got sent home. And what does he have right now, Skip? Same. He had a sack and a half yeah. through December. The whole month of December, he had a sack and a half. And the only sack you guys had last week uh, was Dorrance Armstrong getting, getting home against Jared Goff. And there have been teams that have been able to get home against Jared Goff and sure. to get pressure on him and to get hits on him. And I said, that's the only way to really rattle him. You guys weren't able to take the ball from him, but we were not. you're going to need that pressure. You talk about what Baltimore did to San Francisco. They put pressure. You had Jadavion Clowney. You had Mbke, um, You had guys all over the place, Van Noy putting pressure in his face. This Dallas pass rush has not been the same. So you're saying they gave you the, the, the formula and things like that. No, people have got the formula of how to beat the Dallas Cowboys, It's that undersized box you have and running it right down your throat, running it directly at you. Don't run side to side. Don't run laterally. They're too fast. They're too athletic. They can do that. You put bodies on men and you move them out the way. And that's what what Detroit was able to do when they did have some success running football.
1: All right. Allow me to say one last thing, which is I still believe all this Cowboys can't play on the road is a bunch of hocus pocus. There's no reason we can't play on the road. We went to New York to open this season when the Giants were coming off a a playoff year in which they had won a playoff game. We beat them 40 to nothing at their place. When we had to win a game, Michael was there here in L.A. at SoFi. We went to the Chargers when they had won two straight games and were coming off their bye. And it was only 20 to 17, but we did win the game. And Michael was up there celebrating in his box. And it was great because they deserve some celebration off that win. There's no reason we can't go to Washington and win. And to me, in the end, there's no reason we can't go to San Francisco where we only lost 19 to 12 last year in the playoffs and flip that score around and win 19 to 12. No reason. It- Right, and the only difference
2: we are, we have, Skip, is 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 I want a few teams to go and take a few shots at them and try to wear sure. down or yep. something. And, yep. and, and, and you're saying you're ready to go see them go right now. I'm saying no, 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 I'm not
1: ready for that. Right <laughs> yeah, now. I knew you. Okay, a little bit more work in a moment. This is a good question, a happy question for me. But what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles? We debate next. Mm.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man, I sat right here in
1: this chair at this desk and I called this one from the start. I said that even at 10 and 1, the Eagles were overrated, especially on defense. Now they've lost four of five. Yesterday, they gave up 221 yards rushing to Arizona, coached obviously by their former defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, which did allow Arizona yesterday to control the ball 40 minutes to 20 minutes. So, Richard, what do you see is wrong with these Eagles?
3: Well, I see a lot that's wrong with them, Skip, and it starts with the coaching. Um, You always knew that it'd be a transition when you have two coordinators leave for head coaching positions, and you're trying to replace them, but you didn't think it would be this bad. Um, Brian Johnson, in this offense, has been for the most part predictable, um, which makes it hard to even really highlight your playmakers because you got things happening on offense that the defense is know, knows is coming. Like you, you can predict these things. This 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 defense. Um, of the Arizona Cardinals hasn't been the greatest this season, but they got enough playmakers to get the job done. Offensively, they've run the ball incredibly well all season long. Uh, Jonathan Gannon has, has really committed to the run. You saw it when the Dallas Cowboys played the Arizona Cardinals. They ran the ball, they, they ran the ball, and they ran the ball some more. Yep. And Kyler Murray made enough plays down the stretch uh, to help them win that ball game. But you would think that the players could overcome this. Yeah, the players could hey, on defense, they have enough players to overcome the lack of coaching in the transition. They talked about Sean Desai, and maybe he was the issue, and then replaced him with Matt Patricia before the Seattle Seahawks game. And that didn't make a difference. They still ended up giving 35 points up to the Arizona Cardinals. So it doesn't seem like it matters who was calling the plays. I didn't think Matt Patricia was the answer when they made the change. I still don't think he's the answer, and I think the play on the field shows he's not necessarily... The answer, but you're concerned because you look at that D-line and you say, Hey, if they were young, you would be like, Oh, okay, they're getting, you know, they're getting schemed, they're getting beat. But you got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, you got Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, you got guys who played high-level football for a very long time. And I just can't see why they're getting out schemed in this way. Then you got young guys who who are really talented, like Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. You got a secondary that that is just about the same as last year. I mean, they're missing one huge piece of it that, that went to Detroit um, and, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. But I didn't think that they would go from one of the top pass defenses in the league to 28th in passing. They're, they're amongst the worst in a lot of these statistical categories, and you can't understand it outside of the, the transition from uh, Jonathan Gannon to these new coordinators.
0: Mm.
2: Go, Michael. Yeah, and, and 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 for me now, you know, you, since, since you talked about Matt Patricia, since he's taken over, they've allowed 17 points in in in, 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 the, in the second half for all of those games. So so absolutely, I will point to the defense allowing 17 points and in in 29 uh, just the other day in the second half. So that's a season high points allowed in, in, in the second half. And then you turn around with all of that, Skip, as they move forward now. You know Devontae Smith's walking around now in, in, in a in a, in boot. a walking boot, yeah, a little banged crunches. up and a little hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so right. So now I right now put all I put a lot on that defense. I'm surprised at the defense, to be honest with you, because I thought, wow, what a great formula they had all those great old players, I'd say older players, older veterans that you just mentioned, bringing in all in the Dean and all of those guys from Georgia that already have a championship pedigree. You don't even have to teach these guys how to play championship football. That's what they've all done at Georgia, and they did it together. I thought this was a great mesh of talent. You're bringing that young talent with this older talent. Man, these guys can be doing this for the next five, ten years. But I do know, the difference that happens when you bring in different coordinators. You know what I mean? Even when they've – I know the difference when it's Noah Turner to, to, to the guy, Ernie Zampezi, that yep. taught him, and we still go and win a Super Bowl because mm-hmm. like, like, that's what they have in Philly right now. But I also know when you go and bring some outside guy in, like a Chan Gailey, and there that thing go. goes a whole other way because you're like, this dude doesn't even know how to set up this team to win football games. Yeah. I thought the coordinators that they have would know how to set up that team because they were there to see that team. I also have to give a little bit to Jalen Hurst being injured this year. The run game is not as big of a threat well, mm-hmm. as it was last season, which made everybody play so many people in the box. And then you got these two receivers, two number ones, Devontae Smith in A.B. 11, a- 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 A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, just de- doing damage to people. So, yeah, they're not what they were last year when you, when you see all of that. But I think it all starts on that defense. When teams know they can score on you like that, that puts some exor- an, an enormous amount of pressure on the offense for the Philadelphia Eagles. The offense put up 21 first-half points the other day, and that was nowhere near enough because of the collapse that defense has suffered the last
1: three games. All right. So the first sign I had that this defense was way overrated – came a year ago on Christmas Eve at Jerry World when pretty much this same defense gave up 40 points and 419 yards to Dak's offense. Now, Jalen didn't play in that game, but he doesn't play safety as I kept going back and forth with Keyshawn about. And yet, Richard, there's no way your 49ers aren't going to win that game at Philadelphia, the NFC Championship game, if Brock Purdy doesn't go down in the first series with his elbow injury. There's no way. The the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. They might have won the Super Bowl over Mahomes, who did not play that well against this torchable Eagles defense in the Super Bowl. Mahomes threw for 182 in that game, and it, it wasn't vintage Mahomes. But the point is... This defense just keeps sliding into the sunset week after week after week. It's now 29th in points allowed in the NFL. Only better than Washington and Arizona and at the very bottom, Carolina. So it's a bottom four defense in points allowed. And on offense, it's now seventh in points scored, which is pretty good, but it's fallen all the way to ninth in rushing with Swift as their sort of primary lead back. And remember, two years ago, they led the league in rushing. Last year, they were top five in rushing, so they've slipped to ninth. So that's not the same. And then in the all-important turnover differential, they're now minus seven, which is 23rd in the league. So, so that's pretty terrible because they have only 17 takeaways on defense, so they don't take the ball away. That ranks 24th. And Jalen has thrown a career-high 14 interceptions. So that's that's right. no good. He's twenty three to fourteen. He four wasn't teams. doing that last year. No, he wasn't he, doing he that wasn't, last he year. Wasn't he wasn't doing it. it. Was doing so it, it's right. a bad recipe for now disaster. And to Richard's point, late in the game, late late in the year, I'd never seen anything like this. Uh, the day it happened, I said, I can't imagine that Nick Sirianni just demoted his new defensive coordinator in favor of Coach Pencil. Obviously, Matt Patricia took over for Sean Desai. And it didn't matter. It it didn't fix what ailed them, as people thought. And remember, they went and got Kevin Byard. And everybody said, oh, that's the missing piece to the puzzle. And then I had to take a lot of abuse on this show because they went and got Shaq Leonard, who had visited Dallas. I don't even know if Jerry was going to offer or not. I don't know. He didn't offer while Shaq was there. And now it sounded like yesterday I didn't watch closely because I, I got afraid to turn the game on because I was afraid I was going <clears> to <throat> jinx it. But it sounded like Shaq Leonard got, got pulled from the game at least one time. So I'm not sure he's changed life in Philadelphia. And I kept hearing Jalen Carter is unblockable, <clears throat> and I don't know what happened to that. So they're just a really bad defensive football team that on paper looks like it could be pretty great, but it's not. Yeah, I- Yeah,
3: it's 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 hard because it just on tape in person in the stat sheet. It doesn't look like a confident team. You know, when you're a Super Bowl contender, when you're a contender in December, you got the eyes, even when you're not going to win it. You got the eyes. You got the look. You got the feel of a contender. And this isn't what they look like. I knew going into the game that it would be shaky because they've been shaky. They haven't looked great in any of these games, they didn't look great against the New York Giants. They did New, not. New York Giants yep. had a hail mary chance at the end of the game. Obviously, they were still down eight, but the fact that they even had a, a, a chance at all—hail
1: mary—that <laughs> was from the twenty-six yard line. So he's throwing. Tyrod was thrown into the end zone to win the game. Obviously,
3: right, right. But it's and, and and this is a team that you know has gone through a lot, a lot of injuries, a lot of back and forth, a lot of heartache throughout the season. And they're battling you throughout the game. So I knew this Arizona Cardinals team who shouldn't even be, you know, that's why people are like, NFL's fixed and teams tank. This team should be tanking. They shouldn't be trying to win these games. No. They should be hoping to get the number two or higher draft pick. But you know what they're doing? They're playing really hard for a new head coach. They're running the ball well. They're putting together winning habits like the Detroit Lions did no. last year, late in the year, Good so point. that they can carry yeah. that over into next year. And so – they, I knew knew that a team that runs the ball well would give them problems. Obviously, Jonathan Gannon knows this scheme, this team better than anybody um, outside of Shane Steichen and, and Nick Sirianni. Um, but I didn't think that they were going there into Philadelphia mm-hmm. and win the game. But you could see once the momentum starts to change in a right. ball game, and you right. don't have belief, you don't have, then belief. you start
2: to doubt. Yep. Right. And it
3: right. You know, it and, and falls sure, apart really sure quick.
2: Know you know about it. You know about it, Sharon, because listen. Let me tell you what happens here. You you, you went for back to back. You know what it's like when you're going ba- back. You won the first one. It was hit it back. I I, I went back to back. So you know when you win that first time, you come back. You you think, well, we still got the same team. Oh, oh, and you're going into those games thinking, oh, we can turn this on any time and take over and win <laughs> games. And early in the season, Philly was doing that, and I kept saying, hey. They're ending up, they're winning the games. It doesn't matter, they're winning the games. But, but when things start going bad, I'm going to tell you, man, oh, my God. And you start saying, man, we, this, we're going to change it. It'll get fixed next week. It'll get fixed next week. It'll get fixed next week. Yeah. Around that third, it'll get fixed, and it ain't fixed. You start doubting, oh, my God, are we not the same team? And I think I'm seeing that starting to creep in now in Philadelphia, and that's the worst thing that you can take into a playoff yep. because you're going to have doubt into a playoffs.
1: So I predicted to Keyshawn that Philly would lose one of its last three games. It was Giants at home, then Arizona at home, and at Giants to close. And I was right but wrong because it was Arizona that beat Philly. But I have my doubts that Philly can now go to the Giants and win because the Giants should have beaten the Rams yesterday. They had them dead <laughs> to rights and – Tyrod missed a little pop pass to Saquon, and then Mason Crossbar, as I call him, from doing Dallas in, he missed the field goal that would have won the game at the end of the game. So the Giants are playing at a fairly high level, and the Eagles are not. And the Giants would like nothing better than to send them into the playoffs with another tail-between-their-legs loss. I can see it. I can see it at this point. I mean,
3: it wouldn't surprise me. It's, it, it's weird because Philly has the Super Bowl hangover without the Super Bowl, and that's, that's probably true. the hardest right. pill to swallow right. for right. this team and for this fan base is because they felt like they won a Super Bowl. They, they were treated like all year like that's they had true. won a Super Bowl, but yeah. they had not, and they still get everybody's best shot. They get everybody's best, best every week, and then they have the heartbreak of losing a Super Bowl. It's a lot to stack
1: on. It is. A lot to recover from. Okay, up next, I got a question for everybody out there and for Richard and for Michael. Is CeeDee Lamb now the best receiver in all the NFL? We debate next. No mercy. No mercy. CeeDee Lamb broke Michael Irvin's single season Cowboys receiving record Saturday night. 13 catches for 227 yards on Saturday night. So, Richard, early in the season, you weren't sold on CD, yet now I can make the case he's performing at a higher level than any receiver in the entire NFL. So, Richard, what's your view of CD now? Yeah,
3: after the the four consecutive 50-yard games, four catches, 50-yard games, I was not, Skip. It did not appear that way. It did not appear the Dallas Cowboys was sold on it. And yeah. since that point, yeah. he's he's been a revelation, Skip. He's been on a tear. Um, they're targeting more. They're featuring him more. And he's responded and with an all-pro season. I think he's up to 1,600 yards. Uh, you got to give him all the credit in the world. He's, he's established himself as one of the best receivers in the National Football League week in and week out. He's been a go-to. He had 233 yards. In this game alone, uh, really was the main focus of the offense. Really made it hard for this defense to get any stops, uh, and they had very few answers. Even in the Miami game, they had very few answers for him. Vic Fangio had to change things up in the second half, but I think he definitely has a case much more so than he had to start the year. He's established himself. He's shown up in big games. He's provided the stats. He has the numbers. So you give him all the credit in the world. Mm.
2: Yeah, and, and and I think, man, he has done a wonderful job of putting himself out in front of the crowd and saying, listen, I am here and I am he. Yeah. You know, we 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 watch this season as this thing changed. incidentally, that play right there, guys. That's what I was talking about earlier when I talked about understanding leverage. You see how CD understood that he was coming inside out, he was able to spin and go back out. That that's just brilliant wide receiver play. That's not only Running routes and getting open that's already having an understanding of what i'm going to do when I make when I catch the ball a lot of people used to say great receivers the play the play starts when they catch the ball the go okay receiver that's usually the play ends when they catch the ball and he has been playing great the play starts when he catches the ball it doesn't end he make he's making more things out of it yeah now That comes off of them them giving him more opportunities. You know what I mean? They're giving him more opportunities. Why did they give him more opportunities? Out of necessity. They put him in the backfield to help the running game. You know, and I thought that was smart because now when you're taking him away like Tyreek Hill, we don't let you take Tyreek Hill away. We keep him involved. We keep his head in the game. If you're doubling and tripling teaming him, you put him in the backfield, hand him the ball, let him feel that leather. Throw him something simple in the backfield and let him get a catch. Let him feel that leather. And then bring the best stuff out of him. And they're starting to do that with CD. They understand now he is the catalyst of this football team, the main protagonist in this movie. And you have to get him the ball. If you have any chance, any chance, at winning a football game. And I love, you know, everybody's asking me about the record. Have he broke the record single season reception in yardage record? My records, you know? And I was like, well, I don't even feel like he's breaking my record. He's still wearing the 88. It's just continuing the legacy of the 88 and what it is. Skip and Sherm, I go back to the conversation we had when he called me. You know, coming out of Oklahoma, you know, he's a big DeAndre Hopkins fan. He yeah. wanted to wear number two. And he, he, he talked to me about it. He said, I just want to be honest with you, and I want to hear what you have to say about wearing 88. And I told him. I said, man, you wear the number that when you wake up in the morning and you put toothbrush to tooth, whatever's going to pull the best out of you, you wear that. But understand, when you put this 8-8 on, if you put it on, it's going to mean something different to a whole nation of people, especially Cowboys Nation. They're going to expect great things out of you. They're going to expect winning out of you. They're going to expect championships out of you. And, And he has certainly stepped up to that. We were talking about receivers a couple weeks ago. And I said, man, no, Jerry Rice is the greatest to ever do it. But when you start, with once you finish with that E and Rice, you start with that M and Michael. And, and I'm going to tell you something. This right here, I, I, Tyreek Hill has had such a wonderful season this season. Got hurt the last few games and still been out there for his team. I don't dock him, I dock him as much because I know he's hurt, but he's still fighting for his team. So I say this, when you end with that L and Hill, you start with that C and C.D. Lamb Right now in the National Football League Mm. as top receiver in the National Football League. He's worked his way up to that area
1: to be the one and two right there with Tyreek Hill. So, Richard, back to you. If I can remind you, you texted me a Jerry quote a couple of days after that debacle at San Francisco, that 42 to 10 thing that... The Cowboys suffered. Remember, it was a weird Jerry quote in which it sounded like Jerry was not sold on CD. It sounded like Jerry didn't have CDs back. Remember that? Yes, I do. Okay, yes, I do.
3: I, it, it, and that's what it looked like I, on the football did. field. I, I,
1: I understand. So I told you, it's just weird, Jerry. Sometimes it's it's not even like he's playing games. He he just speaks some foolishness that I can't quite sort of compute or comprehend but the point was cd that week did go to mike mccarthy and nicely complained and say hey i i just need more than four for what was it 49 against san francisco and the next big game was the one it was a turning point game michael was there michael celebrated at the end but it was one out here at sofi against the chargers so richard if I can just do CD stats from that night forward, that 20 to 17 win right. night, incredible. It, they are off the charts because he is first in targets. This is over the the, the game since then, so it's uh, 11 games. Last 11 games, he's first in the league in the NFL in targets, but he's first in catches, and he's first in overall yards catching, and he's second in touchdown catches with nine. To Mike Evans, who has ten, so he's only one behind Mike Evans. So my point is, if you just want to do productivity over the last eleven games, he's in a league of his own. So, yeah, right.
3: Yeah, that's that's hundred percent true, and that's what we said. But at that time, they were not giving him the targets. No, nope. yep, they were not. They he were was not. getting an average of six or seven targets a game. I don't think he's had less than ten since after that San Francisco no, 49ers game. He has and not. And so that just, it, yeah. it shows how how they've changed, the, how they view him, how uh, Dak Prescott has changed how he views yep. him, and how they how he has responded is a testament to the quality of receiver and player he is. So okay. you got to give him a ton of credit. Once okay. they gave him his opportunities, he took them and to ran.
1: Okay, so Michael, here is my theory, my, my narrative theory on CeeDee Lamb. In interviews... He's just fine. He did a post-game interview the other night. He's he's good, but he's not great. He's not Michael Irvin. He's not electric. He doesn't take over interviews. I can't really remember any one thing that he said. And even first downs, when he makes a first down, you know how Michael Irvin used to celebrate first downs with a big old first down, throwing your forefinger out. And CD stands up and does a little tiny forefinger right next to his cheek, right? I made a first down, and I think that his, his aura and image are much smaller than Michael's were when he played because CD doesn't have a whole lot to say in interviews. Sometimes it's, it's what you generate for yourself. He's not a big force on social media. He's not in the middle of this controversy or that controversy. He doesn't ever have that much to say during the week. Michael, do you agree that he might be a little underrated because he doesn't hype himself much in interviews or on social.
2: Well, right, right. And, but, but it's hard to underrate him on the football field yeah. and it's hard to, when we say underrated, you know, I, I'm looking at the guys that are watching the tape, they're not underrating no. him, you know, they're saying, we gotta stop this guy. But, but, but yeah, the, the media, social media, all of that stuff, then he, 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 he's not big on. And as you pointed out, Skip, they're used to big personalities they in, are. in the 88. And, <laughs> and, and Drew Pearson. Right. Oh. Drew right. Pearson had a big personality. Big, Dez trust Bryan, me.
1: big personality.
2: Dez Bryant, big yes. personality. Yeah. And, and, and and I tried to help people understand that even early on when I said he is the most talented 88. Now, now, most physically gifted football player, 88. The only one that played outside, inside to the level, to the level. That he is playing it, you know what I mean. 50, but he is not
1: slot he, and wide. Yeah, 50-50. Right
2: right, yeah. right, 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 inside, outside. Yeah. but he's not that big, uh, uh, emotional leader. No, nope. you know when nope. I get that first down. When I get the first down, skip. I oh. fully understood it. That, that wasn't. That wasn't just about me doing. No, the it's first about down. everybody. When I scored a touchdown, I, right? I, I got it. When I scored right. a touchdown, it was. Let me it tell you what. So right. Somebody, somebody told me. You know how hard that journey is to go hundred yards. To be successful in business or in life, when you got a great journey like that, yep. you got to have small celebrations. So I started saying those first downs, those are small celebrations. You get enough of those small celebrations, you'll have the big one, which is the touchdown. You know what I mean? Yep. So he doesn't understand how to lift up the whole team by saying, hey, that was our first down, let's go. Let's score a touchdown. I want to pump the defense up. They're coming out here. He's not that, but nope. boy, when you talk production, what? he is one of the best in the National Football uh, League.
1: And you, you want to talk? What, what else? Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I, when we had their game against Seattle, uh, Taylor Rooks did an interview with him, yeah. uh, where he where he got to talk a little bit. I, I don't think I've seen an interview where he talked more openly and candidly, and right. it made me a fan of his game yeah. and who he is as a person right. and how he's motivated. And he said a few things throughout this season, you know, in interviews where he said, hey, if you don't believe in me, then just turn on the tape and watch. And <laughs> yeah. I think he does do a little bit of a little, you know what I mean, uh, when he gets a first right. down. But I think there's different ways to lead. But I do think it's taking him just like his targets and everything. Yeah, it's going to take. Him to get in these spotlighted situations in this production to be on the field Good to really point. allow him to blossom and allow his personality to show. But I think he does have a really cool personality and a really
1: cool drive. He does. He does. I, I've said you're before right, and I'm right. going to say it again. CeeDee Lamb is the biggest, baddest baller on this team. He, he is the one guy I trust to take over games. Will he drop an occasional ball here or there? He had one the other night. Yes, he will. Trying to do a little too much too quickly. But Again, Michael, I'm going to finish with your point, even back to Drew Pierce. I know a lot of fans don't remember him, but I covered those Roger Staubach teams. When, when I needed a go-to quote about what was really going on with the football team, you know who I went to? I went to Drew Pearson. So CD has not emerged yet as that kind of team leader, but I'm, I'm starting to feel from what Richard said about Taylor Rooks, Me I too. think he is becoming that right before your very you. eyes.
2: Me too, and that was a great point, Sherm, to pull yeah. up, because the more, the, the, more, the more you take ownership of it, the more you'll bring out of you. And, and I, I, I could see what you're saying. He is absolutely taking more ownership of yeah. it, because there his football team. There's no doubt this is his football team.
1: Okay, so speaking of underrated and underappreciated, does Jordan Love qualify for both of those? We're about to debate next. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. I love this. I love this Would you believe that if Jordan Love and the Packers beat the arch rival Bears Sunday at Lambeau, and they are three and a half point favorites, would you believe then the Packers are in the playoffs, very possibly playing a first round game at Cowboys? Would you believe that almost quietly, off radar, Without the typical Aaron Rodgers Memorial hype, Jordan Love in his last seven games has thrown 16 touchdown passes to just one interception. I found it fascinating last night that on the NBC telecast, Chris Collinsworth almost casually mentioned that in the context of talking with Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay coaches, they were now playing to Jordan Love's (laughs) strength, that Jordan Love is a better deep ball thrower than Aaron Rodgers. I agree with that. I also think Jordan Love isn't getting near enough credit for having to follow Aaron Rodgers, having to follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre, and yet he has positioned the Packers with all that pressure, all that expectation to be in the playoffs in his first year of starting. Michael Irvin, how surprising is Jordan Love's first-year achievement to you? This is surprisingly
2: good. Surprisingly good. Because I I say surprisingly good, not that I didn't know the kid can play. Surprisingly good that this week he will have the team right where Aaron Rodgers gave him the team. Right in the same Same, game, playing for a playoff. This is where Aaron Rodgers basically said, I'm out of here. Here's the key to the car. You drive it now. So he can pick it right back up. Mm -hmm. That's incredible right there. That's why I've... It's incredible. So, so he goes and wins this game and gets his team into the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, that, 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 right when you lost, left Aaron Rodgers. And let me tell you something about those throws. That throw you saw right there, that, throw, yeah. that touchdown throw, that deep ball throw. It, it, it was beautiful hearing them talk about and pulling up the old shot, shot of Brett Favre throwing that throw. That same throw right here. They had a shot on during the game of Brett Favre making that same throw. We've seen Aaron Rodgers make that throw. So, so it's kind of like a Green Bay Packer thing. I've seen the guys before me do it. Then I can do it, and he looks like every time I see him play, he reminds me some things he does of Aaron Rodgers. And but I, but I say this, he looks like he gets along with his players and his teammates <laughs> a whole lot better. And I start saying, I'm telling y'all guys, I'm telling you guys. I said, wait a minute, watch what this becomes. This dude has 29 TDs right now, 29 TDs to first or second year players. This young group growing together, growing together, is that, that's the most in the common era, in the common draft era, 29 TDs to se- first or second year players. Let these guys grow together. Let them grow together. You saw Watson on the sideline, Skip and Kip Sherm while watching the other day. Every time somebody missed a pass, he was like, Ew. "Like I would have caught that. I wanted to be out here. I needed to be here. You want that out of your young, talented team. And that's what Green Bay has. I, I'm, I'm happily surprised that, yeah, he has them playing for a spot in the playoffs at the same spot Aaron Rodgers gave you the keys to the car. Mm-hmm. That says... You, 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 yeah, y'all come on back here. I'll be here next year. I plan on being here for the next 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. That's what Jordan Love says to
3: me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Well, it's been really impressive,
3: Skip, Um, and everything Irv said is is factual. Uh, The 16 touchdowns to one interception in the last seven games, putting this team in a position to win these games. Uh, Matt LaFleur talking about them playing to his strengths and the things that he does well. Seems like they're getting in a good rhythm when you've been with a quarterback As long as they were with Aaron Rodgers, you know, you have to adjust to certain things that Aaron was doing that you didn't even have to think about, you know, two minute, uh, whether it's calling the plays in timeout situational football. You know, you're talking about a young quarterback here that's going to learn these things, that's going to be out there, that's got to adjust to these things. And he's finding his rhythm at the right time. He got his team in a position to fight for a playoff spot. That's all you can ask for out of a young quarterback. The 30 touchdowns on the season is third in the NFL that's fantastic for a, for a young quarterback. I think he has 3,800 yards passing. He's had a phenomenal season uh, and something they can definitely build on
1: in Green Bay. Man, I, I I get goosebumps talking about this because we're talking about Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, and he has not missed a beat. He had some missteps early. It, it's his first year starting. He's been there. He he did he took Aaron's route obviously, and he. He had to watch for three years, but he got to watch for three years. And the most amazing aspect of this to me is he's doing it without his best deep threat receiver that Michael mentioned, Christian Watson, who's 6'4 and ran 4'2 something. And he's got chronic hamstring issues, and I, I hope he can defeat them for the long term because, as you guys know, once you get a hamstrings going wrong, it's just – just, he, he's. It feels like he's too fast for his own physique, maybe, where he just keeps pulling and pulling. But but if you ever get him right, they're going to get even righter because they had a good rapport to start with, and it, it's just phenomenal to me that when I watch him, his body language says I belong here, that I'm not intimidated by the ghosts that I'm following, and. Am I saying he's going to win four MVPs like Aaron did? No, I'm not. I'm not saying he can be Aaron Rodgers. I just know he's going to be a pretty great Jordan Love because he's already doing, d- doing it his way right on time, as Michael said, with what Aaron did, except Aaron lost the last game. It was to Detroit last year, obviously, to get into the playoffs. And now Jordan could take it one more step than Aaron did a year ago. And I agree wholeheartedly. This team loves him. This team loves playing for him and with him. And that's a big difference and a huge right. change big from big. what it used to be with Aaron.
2: Right. And, Skip, I, I believe he's way ahead of the curve in this sense because what we're talking about is he only needs – those guys, as great as they were for the last 30 years, each only brought in one Super Bowl. And this team starting right where he is right now, yep. going and getting ready to go into a playoffs, I, I believe – He can bring in that one Super Bowl. He can definitely catch that. He may not get the four MVPs, but what I see on the field can bring you a Super Bowl.
1: Agreed. Okay, up next, got to talk about the Ravens one more time. Are they now locks to win it all, to win the Super Bowl? We debate next. No mercy. No mercy. Once again, your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go. First tweet from Sid M. Skip resorting to lifted curses if Dallas plays the Niners in postseason. (laughs) I do.
2: Uh, Yeah.
1: Okay. (laughs) I knew that would get run uh, around. uh, Oh, yeah. Well, you can laugh now, Sid, but we'll see who gets the last laugh on the broken (laughs) curse. All right. This is from Karloff. Love Playmaker talking about other wide receivers wearing 88 for the Cowboys. That's Jack Black from School of Rock. Highest standard. It's an honor to listen to Michael on the show. Way to go, Michael. All right, All right, time. Right. Yes, sir. And finally, mm-hmm. Liz Shaw says, Cowboys, after Jimmy Johnson's ring of honor ceremony, Cinderella. the spell must be broken. Cinderella <laughs> transforms into the bell of the ball, as our Cowboys are right before your very eyes. Thank you, Liz, for that. OK, so in the last three weeks, think about this the Ravens have won 23 to 7 at Jacksonville then 33 to 19 at San Francisco then yesterday they of course demolished the Dolphins 56 to 19 so Richard scale of 1 to 10 how much do you believe the Ravens will win the Super Bowl Uh, I think it's 50-50 between them and
3: San Francisco I think uh, they got a great team and they're going to I, I would think they walk through the AFC and make it to the Super Bowl, and they're in Las Vegas. I would think the same for the San Francisco 49ers. I think it'll be a, a good game in Vegas. So uh, I, I'd say
1: 50-50 both ways. So you'll say, five, scale, 1 to 10, you'd say you'd give it a 5, and you'd give San Francisco yeah, yeah, a 5. Yeah. Okay, Michael. Yeah, same. Both
2: ways. Well, I mean, with seeing what they just did to San Francisco – you know, in the way they just handled Miami. They're clearly the best team in the NFC, best team in the AFC. They're the best team in the National Football League right now. I came in here thinking a 10 on the opportunity of winning the Super Bowl, but I'll drop that to a 9.5, and, and I'll throw out what I threw out before because they've led every game in the last two minutes of the game. You got to pass every class before you win a Super Bowl in the NFL. Yep. They will be in a game and down 7, eight, ten points, and I need to see Lamar come back and do yep. that. I'll give them a 9.5 just because I haven't seen.
1: Okay. I'm going to go to a 9 just because I'm not seeing the 85 Bears here. I'm not seeing just absolute lock where I just say nobody's going to touch them. But I think Richard brought this up earlier, and I'm going to, Echo, but the Ravens are the first team since the 1970 merger to lead the league in points allowed and in sacks and in takeaways. And take well, it's just right. I, I don't know that maybe it's not 85 Bears ish because it's not a brand new scheme that Buddy Ryan was teaching and coaching that nobody could figure out how to to deal with. But man, they're good. They're, they got beat up yesterday. They're down Kyle Hamilton. I don't know about. He's got a sprained knee, and the the Stevens kid wasn't able to go yesterday. And then, obviously, Marlon Humphrey was lost. It looked like he tweaked his calf, and you never know. Can can that plague them throughout the playoffs? That they're they're a beat up team. It looked like Patrick Queen has a shoulder that he keeps aggravating. But I, again, with Lamar playing at this level and the weapons that they have in place of obviously. A Mark Andrews and the two running backs they lost. I don't know. They they look pretty invincible to me, especially with two home games to get to the Super Bowl. I I know we if we go back a few years, Lamar had the one seed and Tennessee went in there and just kicked their tails. That's not going to happen this time. Right. I, yeah. I, right.
2: Right. Man, because you said it, Skip. You mentioned it. You said it's not 85 Bears, but no. but I think it is. I think it is in this sense, Skip. I've always. What do I say here? Defense don't win championships, but turnover defense, that can win you championships. And, you know, you get to the quarterback and they're the lead, like Sherm just talked to you about. They lead the league and get into the quarterback and taking that ball away. You can win Super Bowls with that kind of defense. And that is, that's why I say that is. they, They got to the quarterback and they took the ball away as best as anybody.
1: Those 85 Bears or those 2,000 Ravens. They did. So, Richard, you're not putting that much stock in 33 to 19 at San Francisco, then?
3: No, I put a lot of stock into it, but I, I know how it goes in these playoffs and I know how it goes in these Super Bowls. I've seen teams win games in the regular season and lose, get to those teams in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's a, it's a tough game. It's a different atmosphere in those playoffs. So, you got to wait and see. You know, like you said, there's been situations where teams have a lot of success in these regular seasons. And then the playoffs things you you stumble or a mistake here, a mistake there. And it's a very unforgiving game in those playoffs. There is no redos. There is no second chance. There is no, Hey, let's, let's get them next time. It's get them next year. And so I think it's going to be great. I look forward to these playoffs. I hope we get some of these storybook conversations these, these really we're, were the script of the NFL is is in play? I want to see, I want to see Stafford go to Detroit. I want to see Flacco yeah. come back to Baltimore with the Browns. Yeah, yeah. That'd great. be a fun. These are the storylines that I want to see, and that would make
1: yeah. these playoffs yeah. a very memorable one. Huh. I just want yeah. to see Dallas versus the Ravens in the Super Bowl. How about that, Michael? Well, yeah, you, you got to see after, that on Madden.
2: <laughs> after they go through San Francisco they gotta you you can't just go you gotta get that San Francisco thing out of the way the road thing the San Francisco thing all of that has to get out of the way this year this kid hey this cannot go any farther than 2024 right here right now that's what the Cowboys have to be saying so Michael you believe the curse has
1: been broken
2: oh yeah the curse curse has been broken. Thanks to Jimmy, thanks to Jerry, nothing that the guys did on the field, but they will benefit
1: from what happened on the field. I agree. So back to the Ravens. In conclusion, Richard, (laughs) I I just love the way Lamar is playing, and I love the way he's leading that football team because every interview I see, he says all the right things because they're from his heart. He he knows that his eye is on that prize in Las Vegas. In that they're they're not going to get ahead of themselves, but they're they're going to take this one step at a time, the right way, the way they didn't a few years back when they had the one seed.
2: Yeah, he is handling no those question. interviews. I think perfect, Skip. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, he's short about his answers. Indirected. It looks like he's been talking and working with people on how to handle those things. And is always focused forward. We're not even talking about where we're to to the ultimate goal. We're just thinking about right
1: now. He's done a good job at that. Okay. It is time for our predictions for today. Who wins today's college football playoff semifinals next on Undisputed. No mercy. No mercy. Michigan point and a half favorite over Alabama in today's first college football playoff semifinal. Who wins and what's the score? Michael Irvin.
2: Oh, I didn't know point and a half favorite. I love it. Now I, I, I've been torn with this because you know I do want to see Michigan win this game, just 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 to disturb everybody. But I have it going down. I have Bama getting that average. I got Bama really winning that game. Thirty-one. I had twenty-one. I'm gonna take it to twenty-four. Thirty-one. 24. I hope it's Michigan 28-25, but I got it, Bama, going okay. 31 Heart over head? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. i my head uh, on my heart <laughs> Okay, Richard. Head over
3: heart. Yeah. Um, Skip, yeah. you know how I feel about college football and the way they, they've done this playoff, so I'm, I'm not even going to watch the game. I don't have an opinion on who wins or loses. Okay. I hope UW <laughs> wins because we're in Seattle, but outside of that skip they're not getting they're not
1: getting my energy all right they're going to get all of mine because i'm all over this and i believe this team at michigan is on a mission to win oh. this for jim harbaugh and i just think and i've watched michigan closely all year i i just think michigan is significantly better overall than alabama and they've played better all year long than alabama has i i think they're going to win fairly handily I got it, 35 to 24. Okay, let's talk about the second game, tonight's game. Texas is a four and a half point favorite over Washington. Michael, who you got? Who? who, who what's the score? TCU was in that game yep. last year, and now, and now, now
2: we have Texas. I have Texas winning this game, 31 28. I really wanted to be a Michigan Texas. Uh, uh, finals and get Alabama,
1: Georgia, all of them out of there for just one year and let us have that. Mm. So, Richard, I'm assuming you're going to pick Washington just because you live in Seattle? That's it. That's it. You got me, Skip. All right. All right. I got it. (laughs) Hey, this is another one that throws me a curve because I think Washington should be a a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas. I've watched them both a lot. I thought Michael Penix Jr. should have won the Heisman over Jaden Daniels because they've won 20 straight games they went 13 and0 they beat a really good Oregon team twice I, their wide receivers are so deep and so explosive and so NFL talented starting with that Romo dunza I I just I, I think this is a mismatch of wide receivers versus a torchable Texas secondary I, I don't understand the point spread but I'm going to go 38 to 21 Washington. Okay, that is it for today's undisputed. We will return tomorrow at 9:30. Happy Eastern. New Year. And I. Happy New Year. Wait.